Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. LMFM Sunday Sport. With thanks to the LMFM app. Download for free now and take us with you everywhere you go. You're welcome back to LMFM Sunday Sport. David Sheehan with you until 5 o'clock. Still to come on the show, we'll have a reaction from Park Talton. But in the meantime, we're going to take a turn in a slightly different direction. Advancements in technology have an impact on every facet of our lives on a daily basis. And sport is no different. A slew of documentaries in recent years have taken us closer than ever to the action as clubs and sporting organisations look to maximise the value of their brands. A recent article in the Irish Independent took a closer look at the whole area of tech in sport. Its author was Stephen Brown. Bradshaw, a director in sports advisory at Taneo Ireland, and I caught up with Stephen earlier in the week to discuss what is an area that sporting bodies closer to home are surely looking to capitalise on. So Stephen, thanks so much for taking the time. Um, reading your article there from, from a week ago, one of the lines that jumped out at me at the beginning was, we no longer watch sport, we consume and interact with it. Now that's, I guess, something that a lot of people will be familiar with from, from as you mentioned, dual screening or triple screening during games and, and being on Twitter and social media. But when did you think that really started to change? Is it a, is it a very recent thing or has it been coming for a while? Uh, listen, I, I think, Dave, it's been coming for a while. I think yeah, we've seen um, multiple brands and organizations trying to use technology to... Um, change the way fans engage and experience sport. Like we're seeing it now, even when we watch TV with dual screening, you know, that's becoming a, a bit of a, a norm, whereas five or six or seven years ago wasn't something that was on our radar, you know? So it's it's definitely becoming, um, it's, it's heightening or heating up way more now because we're seeing the advances of technology, the advances of 5G technology, especially. And we're seeing that um, it, it Fans are finding ways and uh, easier ways to get closer to the action. Um, and I think we're only on the crest of a wave now uh, with artificial intelligence, with all these new, new forms of technology coming to play. I think it's it's no longer just about that raw experience, which I think is the ultimate experience personally. But I think it's about finding ways to intercept fans in the down moments in the quieter times in the oppor- and finding opportunities for for brands then to intercept them in a meaningful way and i think that's that's key you know but technology is definitely it's definitely changing how we consume not only sport and but everything that we we have on a day-to-day basis yeah and one of the other points you mentioned was the explosion of long form and episodic sports content now 
everyone would be aware of the last dance pretty much at this stage. I think it got through, got a lot of us through the early part of the pandemic anyway. And if I'm right, if I, I think I'm right in saying Netflix actually brought the release of that forward because of what was going on in the world at the time. But look at some of the numbers around that. I was actually astonished. It generated 23.8 million views outside of the US in the first four months. And the Bulls, the Chicago Bulls merchandise sales went up by 5,000, just over 5,000% in around that time as well. I mean, if we needed some metrics to, to show the value of these things when they're done well and they're done right, and there's a big enough audience for them, there it is in black and white for us. Incredible numbers. Incredible, yeah. And, and like, David, I, I think the, the last dance was um, a cultural changing point on how we, we uh, look to uh, consume um, sport and what it's what's really interesting here, though, is that it's bringing people in from outside of the sport that may not have um, necessarily been avid fans before, may have had an interest. But to see those sales figures and the merchandise rise, like I remember growing up and hearing about the Chicago Bulls, and I, I like they were they were a household name, right? Mm. But to 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 realize that the Last Dance was actually. Um, a catalyst for them to sell more merchandise and even the the kind of the the legendary merchandise. I just thought that was that was mind blowing. And we, like Dave, we're seeing it now with so many other sports are kicking into this. So we've Drive to Survive, which Formula One are attributing to a huge, huge uh, 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 way of success for them in terms of recruiting fans to the sport. We're we're now after looking breakpoint with tennis. We full swing is after coming out there with 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 the golf and already the drama that's that's uh, ensued from that. In the I think the line was uh, you picked a year to uh, to record yeah. this from Phil Coulter. Yeah. Phil Coulter. <laughs> Ian Poulter. Ian Coulter. <laughs> Ian Poulter. <laughs> well, we're in the Six Nations, so we went away that, that one. <laughs> um, but but to see it from 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 players there, and and now we've got the Six Nations and. Already, teams are saying that the access is too much, and they're 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 kicking up stink from um, inside the uh, or behind the four walls. It's going to be really really fascinating to see what happens there now in February when that comes out. Here's a question for you then on that: Does it have to be done well? Does do documentaries like these have to be done well, or does it really matter? We know. The Last Dance was was absolutely edge of the seat stuff, even though it happened 25, 30 years ago. Brilliant watching. And I think every everyone every week, I think it was it came out on the Monday, two episodes at a time, and everyone was just hoovering those up. Drive to Survive, really well done as well. I haven't seen the tennis one, but I'm hearing mixed reports about that. Well, does it really matter whether it's done well, middling, really badly? Because a lot of people will watch these things regardless. You know, do you think that it, that it matters if it's done really, really well or if it's just okay? I suppose it, the question is what what's really really well is the really really well piece about telling a story, um, or is it really well about dramatizing um, the actual event? And it's it's like I've seen or heard reports about the F one series about the way they've pieced the different parts of the season together, and diehard fans are saying, "Oh, that did that wasn't the exact uh, footage yeah. from that exact um, race." But in saying that, for a, a, a general audience, the drama is fantastic, right? So it's it's keeping them on their seats. And do they really care about that so much? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but I think it's I think what we look for is we see these heroes on the screen day in day out. We don't necessarily know what they're like, and we don't necessarily humanize them. We put them on a pedestal. And what these series are doing is humanizing these these absolute heroes in sport. Um, and creating that little bit more of affinity. And that's why 
everybody then will have they have a favorite driver or they might have a favorite golfer and now they're getting to see them um with i suppose with with no with no filter yeah and as you say there it's it's how it's put together and all that but i remember the the amazon documentary that was done on spurs i think a lot of people said that was quite bland the arsenal one that came afterwards was was a little bit there was a little bit more in it and it seemed to be a bit more open now maybe the producers learned some lessons from the spurs one and it's an iterative process isn't it because this is all quite new ground for a lot of these companies like you know netflix obviously fairly well experienced now and they had the last dance but you know, Amazon are trying to get into this as well with those with those football documentaries. So I guess they're learning on the job as well. So maybe the first one they do is now is going to be great. And, and then they, they try and improve it from there on. And maybe they push for a little bit more access that they weren't getting to begin with. So those companies are learning as they go as well, aren't they? They are. Yeah. Listen, I, like we, we I think if we if we look back to the first interview you did, we there's a, probably a lot of things we would have changed or maybe there's a lot of learnings you you take from it. And equally so being interviewed, I think the the point is though is that the fact that they're making um, a stance and they're 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 trialing something new. Um, if they don't do it, they'll never learn, right? So by doing something new, they have the they have the fuel and the intelligence then to to adapt it as they move forward. And I think that's the same with everything. Like some some brands and organizations don't necessarily understand that sponsorship can work for them, right? But if they try it. And then they learn from it, they can tweak it and they can make the relevant adjustments that's needed. And I think that's the key thing here is that we're trying to find new ways to consume um, sport. We're trying to find ways to not just be on a, on a Saturday afternoon, trying to find ways into other people's homes uh, midweek. And this is kind of the docuseries, I suppose, is giving um, organizations um, an opportunity to do that. And then the debate then that happens online, which I think is always fascinating because everybody's got an opinion, right? Mm, absolutely. That's that's for sure. And one of the things you mentioned earlier there was about intercepting fans. And it, it made me sort of think, and maybe this is a little bit more of, a, of an existential question. Are, are these are these programs generally like is this whole sort of situation is it a good thing do you think and I appreciate that you you know you, you yourself come from an advertising background so I'm not expecting you to say it's a bad thing be, to to get fans involved because ultimately let's be honest about this right the the goal for these programs is to get more people paying for products and I've done it myself I didn't had no interest in Formula One a couple of years ago but then you you do get inter, interested in it through the through the documentary so the goal here obviously is to, to get more people paying to you know, to watch the events, to, to to get merchandise, whatever else. So I suppose, I don't think anyone watching these things is under any illusions that that's the reason behind it. But do you think, you know, if this progresses down the line, that this is ultimately going to harm sports, that there'll be maybe, we'll see too much and a little bit of the mystique will be removed? Um, listen, there's always the threat of saturation of any type of uh, product or service, right? But what's what sport without fans? It's 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 depending on fans and fans and, and people are becoming far more tech savvy, far more understanding about their time, uh, far limited time. Um, so we they need to find ways to to engage them and interact with them and I suppose disrupt their everyday. Um, now, the ones that do it in a way that doesn't feel like you're interrupting them, but it feels like you're adding value to them, they're the ones who will obviously succeed. And I think they'll be the ones that will will continue to evolve and innovate. Um, but if if it's just about sell, 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 and yeah. um, and very, very much losing the emotion um, or lacking emotion, um, they'll be you'll 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 see them filtered out fairly quickly, I would think. But there's yeah. always a way of there's always the potential of of that saturation coming through. 
Yeah, and that's that's a that's a very good point, and I guess it speaks to what you were talking about earlier. But when I was asking about whether these things are done well or done badly, that's really it in a nutshell, isn't it? Because if if we as viewers feel like we're getting something out of this and we're really getting valuable kind of a valuable insight into into what goes on behind the scenes, like I said, we we all know that these programs are out there to try and generate interest, whether it's in the sport, whether it's in individuals, whether it's in buying merchandise. But if the viewers feel like they're getting some value out of it and, and some really interesting stuff out of it, then they don't really mind that quid pro quo. Whereas if people feel like they're being, you know, shafted a little bit or rinsed a little bit, then as you say, it's not likely to work as well. Yeah. Well, I, and you, you got to take it like people know they're being advertised to, right? The people know that they're being promoted to and they know then, or there's an expectation of, of a kind of tone that will help brands and organizations stand out. And I think it's the emotion. It's trying to bring, an element of levity and uh, maybe even a bit of humor, the ones that can balance that while pushing a product and service or um, an experience, they'll be, that's when, that's when you kind of see real, real cut through. And like, we're all, we're all, we all love a good story, right? And it's how we tell those stories. And the story doesn't need to be a big long form story. A story is a five or 10 seconds um clip that you see online you know how do you tell that story and then make people have that right smile on their face to go actually do you know what i want to learn a little bit more about you guys um and finding that balance there's a skill and there's an art to it and i think that's why um i suppose we in in the job that i'm in at the moment we love the challenge um to to try and 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 tell the stories in the right way so it feels like you're really connecting with people I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Hmm. let's bring it a little bit closer to home because this is what I'm really interested in getting your views on we talked there about you know the tennis the NBA Formula One golf the Amazon documentaries about Spurs Arsenal City whoever they're all massive global sports the clubs involved the individuals involved all have a huge amount of followers on social media wherever it might be but you look at the GEA we'll take GEA for, for example anybody that comes over to Ireland to visit and you show them a bit of a, I only had somebody over from work a couple of weeks ago and they were over from, from the Czech Republic and was showing them a clip of hurling and, and Gaelic football. And they were astounded by this and had never seen it before and all that kind of stuff. So the question I suppose I'm asking here is, what is the potential for a GEA documentary? And I'm not saying it's going to be on the scale of, of a, a last answer or anything like that, but something that would market the, the sports outside of Ireland to a bigger audience. Because it's, it feels to me like it's hugely untapped. But at the same time, I would guess, and you can answer this uh, with, with the experience you have, it's a little bit more of a difficult situation because it's an amateur organization. If they're asking teams to do a documentary or whatever, if they were to do that down the line, 
they might get a bit of pushback. There's no obligation, I would imagine, on anybody to contribute to it. So would you see that being possible? And are there a lot of stumbling blocks in the way for, for something like that potentially happening? Okay, well, let's let's kind of break break that down a little bit and um, maybe step on the first point about the the um, the fact that if we look locally, what's what's going on. So we we in Teneo, we we actually um, conduct a kind of a survey that happens every year, right? We've been doing it for thirteen years. It's called the Teneo uh, our TSSI Teneo Sports uh, Sentiment Sir Index, mm. and within that, right, you're looking at we ask a question about streaming. Right. We asked the question about specifically about streaming because this has become a very much a kind of a go to, especially during the pandemic for kids or people at 18 to 24 year olds. Right. And we could see that literally 30, nearly 32 percent of 18 to 24 year olds found streaming to be their kind of popular choice. Right. Um, of a way they consume the sport that they love. Now, you you talk about the, the GAA. The GA have had a product actually for the last number of years called GA Go, and uh, which um, showed a number of games to international audiences. So this was a, an app that you could subscribe to, and that you could uh, go. And if you're abroad, you can get to watch the specific game that you want um, that was being aired. And it has it's had a massive impact, right, on the international audience. So much so that they're actually bringing it into the domestic audience now this year. Mm. Um, so they they run it internationally for eight years, and this is going to be the first year that they do that. So there's going to be a real interest, interesting piece about this. Is going to see how many um, of the Irish public are interested in uh, subscribing to this uh, product. To see the games that they love and that they want to they they want to see um, full uh, f- fully live, right? Not just the the highlights. That for me is going to be a very significant uh, play when it comes to the Irish audience, because if there is that appetite for that, then maybe there's an opportunity for for something like an, an alternative docu series. TG Car are actually doing one at the moment, which is having a really really good um, um, reaction, really really positive. And there's, there is definitely, you can tell that there's an appetite there for it. But I think what we need to see is, um, we need to see that the appetite doesn't just come from the international waters, that there mm. is that domestic market. And I'm sure with League of, League of Ireland, as you know yourself, streaming has become a very, very important part for many clubs as well um, yeah. in, 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 as, a, as a kind of a revenue generator as well. You know? but, but I suppose that's kind of, that's the other way around insofar as they're putting out the live product that's there already. Whereas, I mean, I've had Sky Formula One here for years. I, I rarely watch it, hardly ever watch it. But, yeah. but I watched, but I watched Drive to Survive, and then I started watching the races. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. is there is there a possibility for to put something out that's a bit more tells a bit more of a human story, and then gets people involved? Because that's that's why you know the likes of Drive to Survive, as you well know, was put out was to drive more people towards watching the live action and buying stuff and whatever else. So. I suppose what I'm asking, is there any possibility, would you envisage something like that happening, the GA putting out some kind of a, you know, a documentary behind the scenes thing that might maybe get more people, whether it's Irish people abroad or, or, or farm people abroad or farm people here to, to start watching the sport, to start paying if they're living in Dublin, to start going to Crow Park that they might, have done, they might not have done before. Do you know, is there, is there any kind of possibility to think of that happening or is that a little bit I'll- further down the line? I think I think the possibility is, is is always there. I do think that we're away a little bit away from that at the moment, though, because, um, like, listen, the GAA is embedded in every community around the country, and unlike 
uh, these Formula One drivers. And un- unlike these superstars in basketball, um, what's beautiful about the GA is that you can see these guys in your streets. You can see these ladies uh, walking down the street. You can mm. you know them. They're part of the community. They're part of the DNA and the fabric of what you've grown in, grown up in. So I think we're probably a bit away from it. Um, that's not to say it, it won't happen, but from from my perspective, I think it's it's probably something that um, is a little bit further down the line, and there probably needs to be a few more case studies locally um, for us to 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 potentially see that happening um, on a on a on a scale such as the GA. You know, one of the things that we've seen advancements in over the last number of years, probably five ten years, but particularly in the last five years or so is let's just take the Premier League, for example, where clubs are taking more control over their own in-house content. They're putting out their own interviews. They're putting out their own footage. Now, of course, the the, the drawback to that is it's very, you know, insular and one-eyed. So maybe you're not getting a, a kind of a, an impartial picture on what's going on. But that started to happen a little bit, I've noticed, in the GEA, where particularly after National League matches, you know, county PROs are taking a player aside and doing a, a one-on-one interview. So is there scope for within within individual counties to start doing something a little bit more because it feels like it's a it's a really untapped market and again you're looking for buy-in from players and god knows ga managers are paranoid enough about the media they don't want cameras coming into dress rooms and stuff like that but even without the overall kind of involvement of the ga at, at headquarter level is there more kind of scope do you think for individual counties to start putting out more interesting stuff and driving a bit of engagement that way because again that's you know that's what it's all about is getting people interested getting eyes on your content that's it. Well, you you you've got you've got a captive audience, right? So you've got an interested audience. And I do I do take your point that it, it mightn't be a diverse conversation, but I think what 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 it mean what it means though is that if counties are looking for investment as well, and to know that they have that impact or that invested audience, it gives them a little bit more of a um, opportunity to, to to maybe grow their sponsorship uh, portfolio. You know. It gives them a little bit more of a, an opportunity to control what is being said and the narrative that's being said about them online. And on top of that, then as well, like essentially those big sporting bodies that you spoke about, they're publishing houses, they're media content deliverers. You know, they're 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 developing these content. They've got their content plans built for the year, and they know what they're going to say. Um, so there's there's the opportunity there, absolutely for for the clubs to and for the counties to to get on board. But I think the the, the big thing here is 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 that you see so many massive brands getting getting involved with um, the GA. Like look at Allianz, look at Borgash Energy, look at all these huge huge brands that are that are involved. The whole reason is to get close to the community, right? So yeah. it's to get close to the community and do it. Gone are the days about just putting a brand on a logo on a jersey and that's it. One thing is about uh, supporting that financially, but the next piece is about activating locally. Is about getting uh, feet on the ground and getting embedded into the community. And I think that's so so important. And the more we see of organisations do that, then I think you're you're going to see um, appetite for. Uh, clubs around the world, around the country, to to maybe develop their own content and develop their their own narrative. Just finally, then looking at the Irish sporting landscape as a whole, and I mean, you know, the professional sports, rugby. Well, the FAI have had their own issues, as we know, in terms of getting a sponsor for the jersey. But yeah. the, let's let's look at the GEA and, and the League of Ireland. The League of Ireland have done huge amount, a huge amount of work. They've had the rebrand. Um, they sent out a really impressive media pack last week to all the, the people that were covering the game. So they're trying to make strides as well, but. Looking at those two uh, organisations, just or those two sort of sectors, the GEA and the League of Ireland, 
Do you feel like there's a huge amount of untapped potential there, or do you think it's it's one of these things that it will be if if they do try and move it along, it'll be a slow process? Do you, do you get the sense that there's a there's a lot of potential there that's untapped, or do you think that where they are now is about where they're going to be for the next little while, and it's just going to creep along? Yeah, no, I I feel that we're probably more leaning towards that untapped potential. Um, I think that there's definitely opportunity to grow. Uh, even with the League of Ireland, um, I feel that like you you look at some uh, of the clubs, they're they're really progressive in in their thinking uh, uh, with the community. But I feel that there's we're we're kind of we're, we're only we're only at tip tipping point here now. I think there's a lot more for for both organisations to do to break through. It's funny I was I was speaking to uh, we had an event there a couple of weeks back, and I was speaking to Vera Pau and. Um, her ambition to get into the the grassroots of Irish um, soccer is is um, absolutely inspiring, and I think if we have people like that who are leading that conversation, I think then the like the the opportunity for success is only going to it, it, like the opportunity for that success is is quite evident um, because we do need figures like that to get into the grassroots of the sports and to build it from the ground up. I don't think you can just look at um, the big leagues and the big teams and say that they, they need to do it. I think it has to come from the ground up. And then by doing that, then you build appetite, you recruit and you start to create a bit of momentum and a, and a, and a movement, which, which, um, which, which like we have, we can see the potential that we've seen it before. We've seen it happen before. So there's nothing to stop it happening again. So if you were a betting man, would you be putting your, uh, your money on a, a big GA documentary surfacing in the next 10 to 15 years would access all areas behind the, the dress room door in Dublin or Mayo or Kerry or wherever it might be. I, I don't know about that, but Dave, I think with technology now and the way things are evolving so, so quickly with technology, um, like who knows, like TikTok wasn't here a couple of years ago and now it's taking uh, people by storm in terms of the social platform, you know, so <laughs> who knows what's going to happen in 12 months time, let alone 10 or 15 years. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's certainly evolving at, at a massive rate, as you said there. Listen, Stephen Bradshaw, Director and Sports Advisory at Teneo Ireland. Thanks so much for talking to us. Really interesting stuff. And we, we may well talk to you again down the line if a GA documentary does surface. Anytime, Dave. And great. To, thanks, thanks for having me on. LMFM Sunday Sport. With thanks to the LMFM app. Download for free now and take us with you everywhere you go. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.